if you would please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're joining us for the first time, it's our usual practice to take a book of the Bible or a chapter and work through verse by verse. And uh, we're not in a particular study this morning in light of baptisms, but because of those baptisms, we're going to take 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, just word by word and look through it and see how it teaches us about God's grace and how we can respond to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, you can follow along as I read our text for us. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or slanderers, abusers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. And this last week I was wondering if 12 pictures are really worth $28 million. Last Sunday, there was a record 202 million people that watched the Super Bowl. That's about 180 times the population of Montana. That's a pretty big Super Bowl watch party, isn't it? Well, whether you watch the game or not, you maybe heard about this 60-second commercial that's had the internet talking, especially amongst Christians. For 30 seconds... At the going rate of $7 million, there was a total of two minutes in a four-hour span, two minutes that showed 12 pictures and tried to get people thinking about a particular man. And that man wasn't Patrick Mahomes. We spent the whole game thinking about how Patrick Mahomes was awesome. But these commercials were trying to get us to think about somebody else. Each scene... Each of these pictures, it was a piercing and provocative scene. I sat there feeling very uncomfortable as I watched it, but I was so compelled. I could not take my eyes off the screen. This commercial showed in the same frame very unlikely pairs. Very unlikely pairs. In fact, it showed some of the most explosive, divisive, polarizing issues in American culture and in the church today. No words, just pictures, 12 of them. And they were all of two people in one of the most humble postures in all of scripture, in an ancient culture or in our culture, one person washing another person's dirty feet. It was mesmerizing. There was the progressive son and his conservative dad. 
There was the Hispanic police officer and the African-American homeless man on the streets. There was the high school beauty queen and the red-haired rebel in their hallway. There was the white rancher and the Native American elder. There was a pro-life woman and a woman, a young woman who had probably just had an abortion. There was a daughter on a dirty floor clinging to her addict mom. There was a guy working in the oil rigs, washing the feet of a climate change warrior. There were two girls, one free speech advocate, another silencing hate speech with sides blasting each other. There was an American couple with a Middle Eastern refugee on their front lawn. There was a white man and a black man with their feet in the same bucket, clearly on the porch of somewhere deep in the south. And the last image was a Christian pastor washing the feet of what was clearly an LGBTQ man on the beaches of California. The words at the end boldly read, Jesus didn't teach us to hate, he washed feet. He gets us, all of us. Now if you watch that commercial, you probably have those images going through your head, and if you haven't, maybe what I've said might prompt you to go check it out. But I can tell you that the, the response to this very short ad was massive, chaotic, and very intense. There were some people who absolutely loved it, some people who despised it. There were some people who were critical of it, others who were grateful. Some who sought to write it with their arrogant answers, and then other people who were actually prompted to go search for meaningful answers. Now to be clear and to avoid unnecessary emails that you might send me after the sermon, I am well aware, I'm well aware, I'm well read up on the organization that made this ad as well as the ad itself. And I think there are things that we should commend and are very, we should appreciate and respect. And there are some things that are a bit concerning. All that to say, my point is not here to commend or criticize. My point is this. That ad, in 60 seconds, with 12 pictures, showed America the worst of us. It showed us the worst of us. It showed us what we're capable of because it exposed how divisive and polarizing we can be, even as Christians. It exposed the way that our culture cannot, cannot find a middle ground, but you are either here or here, and there's no in-between, and, and our culture doesn't know how to talk about that. They don't have a category for grace, or they don't have a category for conversation and dialogue. You are either here or here. You cannot be one or the other, or you have to be one or the other. You cannot be having a conversation. So that ad showed us the worst about us in our culture, both in America and the church, but it did something else. That commercial actually invited all of us who were just trying to watch a football game, <laughs> it invited us to imagine what it could look like if we stopped living like Americans and started living like Christians. Started living like Christians and stopped living like Americans. That was offensive. 
And that phrase may even offend some of you. But just like that commercial, this text, 1 Corinthians 6, is offensive. It, it exposes the worst of us. As Paul, as Paul, who called himself the chief of sinners, right? He said, I'm the worst, <laughs> this guy. He gave us 10 pictures in 82 words of real sinners. And he gave us a picture of what it looks like to live out of your identity in Christ instead of who you were by birth. He shocks and soothes with this text. He disturbs us and comforts us. And his clarity about the Corinthian culture is very offensive. But his message is unforgettable. And his message to those who would receive it is that who you were is not who you are. Who you once were is not who you are now. And instead of living like who you once were, live like who you are in Christ. Now, I have three questions for us to help us understand this passage, but also grow. Grow as those who are putting on Christ and living the life of faith in Christ. Three questions, they all start with T. Truth, truth. There's going to be talking about transformation. And there will be talk about tricks. Because the truth needs to speak into the tricks if there's going to be any transformation. So let's start in verse 9. This is the truth question. Point number one, the truth question. Do you know the truth? Verse 9, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Church, that's just a very simple question that Paul is asking. He says, have you forgotten the facts? Those who are unrighteous, in other words, the wicked, the sinners, the the wrongdoers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They won't experience God's presence, and they won't experience his promises. And he immediately clarifies who he's talking about. Look, he immediately says, do not be deceived. Don't be tricked. Neither the sexually immoral, that's people who seek sexual gratification outside of God's design and his commands, nor idolaters, that's people who worship false gods, According to false deities, false religions, or they bow down to the idols of the world. They think something in this world will, will satisfy them. Nor men who practice homosexuality. This is a very striking word that refers to both partners, male or female, in a homosexual relationship. Two people committing homosexual acts. And in our words, what Paul is saying in that word is every L... Every G, every B, T, Q, I, A, and plus. That, that's what that word means. Verse 10, nor, nor thieves, people who steal and take what doesn't belong to them. Nor the greedy, that's people who just keep saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. Never satisfied. Nor drunkards, people who drink excessively. And alcohol is what they escape to in order to indulge in and numb themselves. Nor revilers, that's people who speak and act violently, maybe abusers. Nor swindlers, that's cheats and con artists, schemers. Paul says none of those people will inherit 
the kingdom of God. And church, I just simply ask you, do you know that truth? That's not my truth. That's not your truth. It's God's truth, and it's the truth. Do you know it? But more so, do you, do you see yourself in verses 9 and 10? Because I do. I don't check all of those boxes, but I see my life checking a lot of those. Do you? If you don't, then it's possible you've been tricked. If you don't see yourself there, and if you don't acknowledge the truth of verse 9, there's a chance you've been deceived. That's our second question, the trick question. It's actually not a trick at all. <laughs> but have you been tricked? You've been tricked into believing a lie that you're not there? Tricked into believing a lie that you're a pretty good person? Well, at least you're not as bad as some of these other people, or I've, I've never been a homosexual. I've never drank before. I don't take things from people. At least I'm not like those people. I don't know if you noticed, but in the same list are heterosexual sins and homosexual sins. And smack dab in the middle of the list are greedy people. Same list, guys. Same consequence. You will not get into the kingdom of God. Maybe you've thought, well, I have faith, or I'm religious, or I've been baptized. Maybe you've come up with a lot of things, but friends, if that's your reasoning right now, then you've been tricked. Those are all lies. Those are not true things in order to get you right with God. You can't look at this verse and and act as if you're not there. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Where I think Paul is going, it's even more targeted. It's this. He's telling this church in Corinth, you cannot call yourself a Christian and live like a Corinthian. You cannot call yourself a Christian and live like a Corinthian. Those are incompatible. Do you know why? Guys, it's, this is why. Listen, that list here in verses 9 and 10, it's not just some arbitrary list that the Apostle Paul thought, well, I'm going to think about all the bad people. I'm just going to think about what they did, and I'm going to make a list, and I'm going to tell these people, stop it. That's not what he's doing. Verses 9 and 10, church, it's a summary of the Corinthian lifestyle. If you wanted to know what it was like to be in Corinth, read 9 and 10. That's their culture. That's what he's saying. You cannot call yourself a Christian, but then live like this. That's incompatible because the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God. So don't be tricked, he says. Remember your new identity, not your old identity. If Corinthian is your old name, if that's your old logo on your chest, live out of your new name in Christ, the new jersey that's on. 
Something kind of funny, comical happened yesterday at my son's last uh, upward basketball game. His mom and dad, I don't know what was wrong with them, but particularly his dad, somehow got him to the game late. And so we didn't realize it until they did announcements and warm-ups. So they always call the kids out onto the court. Well, we didn't realize it that we had the wrong color jersey on, huh, Ian? His team was blue, and he had a red jersey on. So as he ran out there, he was the only one on the team that, that looked different. But imagine if he would have tried to play like that with a red jersey on when his team was blue. That doesn't work, does it? He needed to flip that jersey inside out so that he could play on the right team, so that his decisions were consistent with his team. Friends, it's pretty similar. We are both Corinthian and Christian. We are both American and Christian. But look, you cannot call yourself a Christian and live like an American. Verses 9 and 10, that used to be Corinth. Verses 9 and 10, they are America. Read that list again and tell me that's not what you see in our culture. Promotion of it all, acceptance of it all. Friend, I'm not telling you to throw away your flag or ditch the Constitution. But what I am saying is this if you want to live, as an American or Montanan, then just know that American and Montanan values, morals, and behaviors are what will conform you. But be warned and do not be tricked. You cannot live like that, like the world lives, while calling yourself a Christian. For you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now look, it's really tempting right now. This is another way we could be tricked to look at this list and go, yeah, you know what, that's right, that is me. I need to turn over a new leaf in my life. Maybe I need to change, make some changes in my life. Maybe read Atomic Habits, like Rick said. <laughs> you know. No, no, no. <laughs> you cannot keep this list. This list is not here to help you get right with God. This list is here to show you you are not right with God. Yet through faith in Jesus Christ, he can rescue you, transform you from the inside out. So it's not doing these things to get right with God. It's trusting in Jesus and they're being transformed so that you don't do these things anymore. Do you see the difference? Religion, religion, friends, will tell you do, do, do. The gospel, the good news of God's grace, it says, done for you. Wow. It's not my strivings, it's Jesus. And so instead of indulging myself in the treasures of the earth, I get to turn in repentance from my sin and trust the treasure of heaven. Jesus Christ, who is better than everything in every way. He's better than Super Bowl trophies. He's better than Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift dates. He is better. He is better than the sexual immorality you're pursuing. He loves you even if you're pursuing homosexuality. He invites you to come and taste of the freedom that's yours in him. Turn from it and have life. He invites all you greedy Americans. Look at us. We are this text. Here we sit and condemn everybody else. 
We are greedy. I was so greedy just watching the Super Bowl. We are invited by the king to say, look, I can see myself in verses 9 and 10. But I also see myself in verse 11. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. This is how you used to be. But grace has transformed you. That's our third and final point, our third question. Have you been transformed by grace? Do you know the truth that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Have you been tricked to believe that somehow you're good enough or if you're religious enough or if you get baptized or if you say a sinner's prayer, somehow you're good while you're living like verses 9 and 10? No, don't be tricked, friends. Hear the truth. Be transformed by grace. These are some of the sweetest words in all of Scripture. Such were some of you. I am a sinner, but by God's grace, I am a saint. And who I was is no longer who I am. Saving grace transforms my identity such that I can still be a Montanan and I can still be an American. But if my identity is Christian first, then guess what? I will be the best Montanan and the best American that God wants me to be. Because I'm living out of my identity in Christ. This text says that we've been washed. You were washed, not by the waters of baptism, but by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ shed for us on the cross. Wash away all our sins. We've been sanctified. That means set apart. Your life now as a disciple of Jesus is a canvas for God to paint his magnificent grace upon. He's an artist. Let him show others the picture of grace. And he says, you've been justified. That means you've been brought into a right relationship with God. Your sin is forgiven and you are declared righteous because of Jesus. Such that God is not mad at you. He's not going to condemn you. But he treats you just as if I'd never sinned. And just if I'd always obeyed. That's what it means to be justified. I now have peace with God through faith in Christ. And his grace and his peace is flooding my life and it's flowing through my life to others. I've got a couple people here who are going to come talk about that and I can't wait. So I want to wrap up here. There was a man who was a foul-mouthed slave ship sailor, sailor whose life was verse 9 and 10. You may have heard of him. His name was John Newton. And he wrote a popular song. Maybe you know it. It's called Amazing Grace. He also said this. Yet though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So I end asking you, can you say the same thing? Friends, I appeal to you, please do not walk through those doors if you cannot say that. Please do not lay your head down on your pillow 
if you cannot say that. Look, there are a lot of really good Americans who can sing Amazing Grace, especially if there's some bagpipes in the background, right? But not everybody who sings Amazing Grace believes the message of Amazing Grace. Friend, do not leave if you see yourself in verse 9 and 10, but don't see yourself in verse 11. Come and know Christ. Be saved from the penalty of your sin, from judgment and hell to come. Come into new life. Come experience the love of God like you've never had before. Come and find a true treasure, a lasting treasure that will not disappoint you like everybody else has and like everything else has. Come and find life in Christ. Say, such was I. And I still struggle with those things. I'm still tempted to run back to them. But you know what? By the grace of God, what I was is no longer what I am. So friends, please know the truth. Don't fall for the trick. But experience the transformation that comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That is a gift that is offered and extended to you right where you are, right now. You can believe on him. He says, call on me and you will be saved. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you will not inherit the kingdom of God and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Help me. I don't even know what to do next, but I believe. Help my unbelief. Take my life and make it yours. Make me new. The people that are about to come up and talk are going to say just that. I've been made new. The old is gone. The new has come. I've been washed. I've been sanctified. I've been justified. Not by religion, but by the grace of God to me in Christ Jesus. For it is in Christ that we have everything we need. Christ is all we have and he is all we need. Hallelujah for his grace in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your magnificent grace that has invaded our hearts. Lord, I think now of the way it's invaded my home. I thank you for these brothers who they once were yet who they are now in Christ. Not by anything they've done, but because of your magnificent love. Oh Lord, take our lives. Make us new. Help us to live with the right jersey on. Help us to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Help us to walk in the newness of life by the power of your spirit. And help us to find our greatest delight and treasure, our highest and supreme joy in Jesus Christ, the one who came to Corinth to redeem and save. And Lord, then send us out into Corinth. Send us out into the culture of chaos and let us be ambassadors of this kingdom of peace and joy and love and righteousness and welcome many more in, we pray, for your glory and our good. Amen.